You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. After a long time, probably one of the most exciting off seasons, at least since I've covered the Iowa beat, we are officially back in game mode. Game week is only... Game day is only a few days away, and lots of storylines heading into this one. David Eicholt, Sean Bach with you, HawkeyeInsider.com. Sean, we need to start with the top storyline for basically the past three weeks. And I, I think the way some have classified it on the radio is the fall hurt around the world when Caden McNamara went down after a very awkward kind of play during the open scrimmage and, and Kirk kind of made one or two snide comments day about, oh, I'm glad you all got to see that happen or, or whatever. But I guess let's start from the top. I think it's a very good thing that obviously Kate has been officially cleared as of Tuesday morning. He was not medically cleared yesterday, despite practicing. I've heard that from a few sources. So to get Cade back in the full swing of things, it's big, but Kirk also says it's still questionable. So I'll let you go because this is just going to be a back and forth about what should Iowa do. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's obviously a big talking point because of the just how big the addition of McNamara was this offseason, you know, just how probably anxious Iowa fans are to see him and to see him produce. I mean, I think that's one of the main things. People are just anxious. And if this was, you know, say Iowa State, the first gamer in the season opener, I think it would be a bigger deal. You know, more of a start. Obviously, it's a big story because you don't you want him to get those snaps before the Cyhawk game. Um, but it would be a bigger story if it was probably a power five opponent. But, you know, I think Iowa feels, you know, content, even if they don't get, you know, a lot of Cade. In that game, I mean, like I said, it would be ideal to maybe get him in a couple of drives depending on how he feels. But as Kirk said today, it's like if he can't go, he can't go. And how much do you really want to force it in a game like Utah State? I mean, Utah State's going to be tough. They're going to come out and compete. Um, You know, not a lot of people are expecting them to, you know, really, you know, compete with Iowa, but we saw what happened last year in South Dakota State. And, you know, I think people are just anxious to see what Kate can do. And, you know, I think people are also questionable about, you know, the backups. I mean, from an outsider's perspective, I think Iowa feels better about Deacon Hill from the last couple of weeks than they did, you know, maybe before fall camp. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting what happens in the coming days. I mean, it feels like for the last couple of weeks, it's been a day-by-day thing, at least, you know, talking from 
Kirk Ferentz's language. So it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, what the next couple of days look like. And, you know, it's going to be touch and go. Um, it feels like for the next, you know, leading up to Saturday. I mean, I think barring setback, Sean, I think you have to play Cade. And the more I've thought about it, the more I've kind of convinced myself of that. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying play Cade and McNamara all game if you don't have to. Like, let's say in a perfect Iowa world, right, Cade goes out there, Iowa scores four touchdowns in the first half, takes a 28-0 lead, great, bench him the rest of the game. Put in Deacon Hill, let him do some things, et cetera. Cade has a strong resume, but let's take out last year. He really didn't play much last year of legit competition. Fair to say. I mean, he got benched for J.J. McCarthy. He had the major knee reconstruction, the major leg surgery. He has not really played meaningful snaps, Sean, since the college football playoff back in the 2021 season. He's on a new team, new players, new system. I think these reps are very important. Look, I know I picked Iowa to beat Iowa State by double digits. Iowa State's still going to have a legit defense. I think they have some nice pieces on that end. I think Matt Campbell's going to have them ready to play. It's going to be in a hostile environment. I don't think you want Cade's first meaningful snaps to come back at a rivalry game that's on the road. And I think from another point of view, if Iowa does not land Cade McNamara, so maybe I'm just speculating too much, but does Iowa sell out their season if Cade McNamara is not in an Iowa uniform right now? I mean, it depends who else they would have landed. Because I don't the, think... The reason why I ask is because they they, maybe they out. get Eric. Maybe they get Eric all because he kind of admitted he eyeballed it. They certainly don't get Caleb. I don't know if they get Seth Anderson. And that's a lot of where this excitement kind of reformed excitement comes from. And that's because of Cade. I think from a morale standpoint, in terms of the fans, I think they need to see Cade trot out there. Now, if you don't want to open up the full playbook and you don't feel great about what he can bring to the table, maybe run the ball a little bit more, maybe set up some quick passes, maybe go out the shotgun more so you can limit the sort of five to seven drop steps uh, but I think fans need to see Cade McNamara out there just to really kind of get the season kicked off right away and for meaningful snaps. And on top of that, Sean, he's medically cleared early in the week and he's been practicing since Saturday. Like this is when the main game plan reps come into play. So if he feels good tomorrow, he feels good Thursday. I, I think they need to make a decision by tomorrow if they're starting him or not, because you want him to get the game plan and the reps in. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know this for sure. Maybe they've already made an internal decision. Maybe they already know. Maybe it'll be like the offensive lineman where, you know, they have him on a snap count and, and kind of depends on, you know, how he does and, you know, how he's kind of looking, how the offense is working. I think it was kind of notable today when Kirk said that, you know, if they're in dire need of him, which, you know, obviously that's not the hope, um, like it was in the in the season opener last year, even though that felt like the – like widest gap between a seven three score ever. Um, if they're in dire need, like they'll put them out there, and I think that was a little bit telling. I think mm-hmm. to me, it seems like yes, they want him to play, but they also want to be in a spot where they don't have to play him in the third and fourth quarter. I I would say, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, and that's, that's what, every that's every yeah. game. That's every game, but I'm just saying realistically, that's what I think it is. 
Yeah, and I, I've said this all along, and I think the comments made from Cade today and by Kirk today, Sean, have backed that up. If it was a conference game, I think it's no doubt Cade McNamara is going out there on Saturday. I think the only thing that's really holding him back is possible fear of re-aggravating something. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, I'm not in the position to make it, but if you're the coaching staff, you got to trust the medical staff. You got to trust the trainers. If he's medically cleared four days before the game, the only thing that's really stopping him is the fear of Cade re-aggravating it. Because if he's medically cleared, he's been taking reps with the ones I think, again, I, I think you have to trot him out there. It just, it, the more I kind of rethink about the comments we are today, the more I'm of the belief that barring a major setback or Cade wakes up incredibly sore in the next couple of days, I think they're going to trot him out there. And again, I think that's the right thing to do because you need that chemistry. And I think the fans morale needed after last season. Yeah. I mean, yes, like the fans, obviously I think, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people will talk about, but at the end of the day, I mean, you mentioned too, it's like how much will they need him? That's the big thing. I think you would love to see him, but I think they're thinking way more about, you know, how much could we really play him if we could play him or if we do play him and, you know, how much I guess makes sense for us to play him because I mean, really, if, I think you put him out there for a few drives. Obviously, I'm not Kate. I don't have, you know, his injury diagnosis or, you know, how he's feeling. But I think, like, a snap count would make a lot of sense. But I also think Iowa's going to try, you know, maybe – I mean, it's it's going to be run the football. I think they're going to try to run the football to open things up and, you know, potentially throw, you know, one deep on third and long or, you know, try a couple deep shots downfield depending on, you know, how the offense is clicking. Um, so I think that's, I think they'll simplify it if they're going to have him in, I think they're going to be like, okay, like, Hey, like, obviously, you know, you can't hold a guy back when he's on the field because knowing Kate, like he's just a competitor. Um, but they're like, okay, Hey, maybe instead of, you know, cutting up field or getting up in the pocket, um, and cutting up field, like, you know, maybe just, maybe just try and slide or maybe just, you know, throw the ball away or something like maybe, maybe not try and do that. But how much can you really control of that, you yeah. know, when he's in the game? In a so, live I don't game know. situation, it's, it's gonna be, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to, you know, hear what KF says on Hawk Talk tomorrow if he really goes in-depth with anything. Um, and then after the game, too, to kind of see what strategy they they presented with K, you know, if there was any or, you know, kind of how things went, you know, inside the inside the locker room to determine, you know, how he – how you know, how many snaps he's able to get. The last thing on this, I want to dive in a little bit of the wide receiver talk is it was interesting to me that there are two parts of the – when we talked to Cade for probably only seven or eight minutes, he was the last guy to go out there. I'm Again, I'm not surprised. I'm sure he didn't want to talk about his quad for 30 minutes, right? But at one point he said it's going to be up to the doctors and the coaching staff. About three minutes later he said it's going to be up to the doctors and trainers. And, again, I'm sure that was a slip up. He just didn't mention the coaches. But Cade also mentioned if he's healthy, if he's been told it's safe to play, he said, quote, I'm going to play. He's medically cleared. And even Kirking made when he was on the podium that you can already like everybody knows how he's wired already. So if that's Cade sort of 
overarching thing is the doctors clearing him. And but he said if that's the case, he's gonna play. He's gonna be able to kind of present to KF like I need I want to play. So Kirk didn't want to put percentage on it. I'm I'm about 80% of the belief that Cade's gonna go out there on Saturday. Like you said, whether it be a snap count, I don't think he'll be in as a backup at any point. I think if he goes out there, he's going to play and he's gonna start. And if Iowa gets up early, I think Kirk and them would not be hesitant to pull him earlier than maybe a different situation. Um, and I also kind of wish we saw Deacon Hill post spring ball. I mean, post fall scrimmage. Cause as you mentioned, I think Kirk said they felt better about the way he's played in the past couple of weeks. Um, and Deontay vines had an interesting thing. It'll, it'll transition the wide receivers quickly. I asked him if Deacon loves to show off his big arm and in, in practice. And he said, uh, yeah, he does all the time. He's not afraid to let it rip downfield. And Deontay also add that as a wide receiver, he's all about it. He's all he, Nico. They're all about it. They want them to air it out because that shows the faith they have in the wide receiver group. So who knows if we get Deacon Hill at all on Saturday, Sean, uh, we might, you know, I'm, I'm very curious what the game plan is going to be. If they're going to keep handing it off to Jazz Patterson and, Caleb Johnson, the running backs, or Deacon's gonna gonna let it fly a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be more runs. Honestly, obviously, it depends on what the offensive line is doing or how they can compete. I mean, Utah State's defensive line has definitely a new look this year. Um, they returned one guy, and I'm gonna try to pronounce his name, but he's their top guy on the interior. Um, and then they bring in a couple of transfers too. So. It's going to be a little bit new look of a defensive line for uh, Utah State. They have a couple of solid linebackers, too. Um, but, you know, just talking about the offensive line, I think Kirk mentioned it today that he felt best, you know, the improvement of the offensive line, the wide receiver room are the two most significant from last year. And I think that's kind of telling, you know, based on, you know, going into the season that, you know, I feel like the confidence just seems to get a little bit more and more uh, in the offensive line room by the week. Yeah, and it was interesting they say he felt better about the wide receiver group and, and as far as the growth potential. And the, everybody mentioned Caleb Brown uh, today as well, the Ohio State wide receiver transfer, and Seth Anderson. And and Kirk mentioned about Seth that he wasn't sure what they had in him. They thought he was a good prospect, but that's a guy that missed a lot of, you know, if not all of spring ball. And then he's really had a solid fall camp. And it was very weird to me, Sean, that we looked at the two deep and it was all scholarship wide receivers. I, I cannot remember the last time that that's happened. Uh, it's And that's how kind of wild it's been. I think you could almost hear the sigh of relief and kind of like Kirk just looked like he wasn't caring as much when he talked about the wide receiver group. And I, I think it's a nice group. I think the potential is there. Of course, I'm curious what the route trees going to look like. And something else that Deontay said that I'm going to write about later this week but we asked him about, uh, you know, does he feel like there's more time for him to be able to get into his routes and stuff? And he said, you know, I don't get a chance to watch the offensive line a lot when I'm doing my thing. But he said, I've kept a mental note of the defense love to always say sack, sack, sack in practice whenever they sacked him. And Deontay just said it's been nice not hearing that all the time this fall camp compared to, <laughs> compared to last year. He just said there's much more time for me be able, to be able to get into my routes. I don't feel as rushed. Mm -hmm. I can go about proper technique and such. And 
Yeah, I, I thought that was a really interesting note from Deontay. And if that is indeed the truth, then we're kind of seeing the progression of the offensive line. I know some people say, well, what about the defensive line? Does that mean they're struggling? I, I wouldn't say that. I think you have a little bit more mobile quarterback in the quarterback room, mobility in the quarterback room. And the offensive line just goes back to having more maturity and experience. And on top of that, I feel like they have guys in the positions actually figured out. I feel like there's been so much interchanging outside of Logan Jones and Mason Richmond, getting Connor Colby to right guard, having Jangs Dunker at tackle, who is starting right tackle right now. It just feels like there's a little bit more camaraderie and a little bit more stability in terms of where guys are potentially playing at. I think that's going to go a long, long way for them. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, and I think depth is important too. Depth is one of the main things. I I put out a story this weekend about ten sleeper candidates um, when it comes to depth, and I was surprised. I feel like that was like the most, you know, I didn't feel like I was reaching in terms of guys that can make an impact when talking about depth, and I think that kind of is the case across the board um, a bit. I mean, maybe linebacker is a little shaky just because there's not a lot of experience. Cornerback maybe a little bit too, but. You know, we've heard good things about TJ Hall, Cohen Enger, um, and Deshaun Lee. So, you know, there, there's a lot of positives to go off of it. It's just like these – some of these guys are just young. And, you know, I think depth, you know, that just comes back to Iowa recruiting at a high level too. And, you know, getting guys that are capable of, you know, being, you know, not necessarily instant impact guys, but guys that you can plug and play in certain situations. And, you know, I think that – I think that's going to be a big story of this team. I mean, you don't – you don't want to reach those depth levels because that generally means injuries, but yeah. you know, to have those guys that, you know, back there in case you need them, I think that's certainly a big positive. I think something else I want to mention about depth just quickly on the cornerback side of things. Remember in the spring, we were talking to Xavier, we were talking to Cooper about how they had kind of their own battle between one another about who's going to have the most turnovers, who's going to have the most picks. And they had like a big point system, right? Neither one of them won in the cornerback room, Sean. Deshaun Lee apparently has created the most turnovers in that defensive back room, redshirt freshman. And that's a name I think we've seen quite a bit. We saw him in the fall open scrimmage, have two pick sixes. That's a guy who I think is really starting to make a name for himself. And, you know, could he emerge as that third guy? Maybe, maybe it's still TJ Hall. I still love Cohen Entringer if he can really kind of piece it together. He's one of my favorite signees of that class, but it really seems like Deshaun Lee is being a guy right now that is taking that next step forward. And we've talked about cornerback depth that they're going to potentially need. Uh, if Deshaun's that guy, man, he's he's really, really making a name for himself right now. And Cooper did joke that he was out for part of fall camp with his with his injury, but he's back. Uh, but yeah, Deshaun Lee apparently led the team in their point system. Yeah, that's a that's a good sign because I know one of the big talking points this offseason has been, you know, who's going to be Iowa's fourth cornerback. And, you know, as we've seen in the past, like, that, you know, that cornerback can come into play. I mean, 
mean, Iowa wasn't able to land one of their couple of their top guys in the portal um, at that cornerback spot. But, you know, hey, if they can have guys that step up, I think the staff would honestly prefer that than, you know, just to have a guy that is there for one year and leaves. I mean, obviously that's not the case in certain situations, but I think, you know, they feel good about, you know, a guy that, I mean, Kirk kind of mentioned it today. You feel really good when these guys have three to four years left, like a Seth Anderson, but in this case, Deshaun Lee, you know, step up and show that they can deliver. Last guy I want to talk about. I, I finally got the chance to talk to Nick Jackson for the first time today, Sean. Uh, really impressive dude. I, I think I think Iowa fans are really going to like him. And just I think I'm very interested about how Seth Wallace is going to use him. But Nick seemed very comfortable with how he's going to be used. I think he, he has a very mature outlook. Obviously, 352 career tackles don't ha- just naturally happen. But this is a guy where I've kind of talked all offseason about, yes, everybody focuses on Cade. Yes, everybody loves Caleb Brown. Nick Jackson, as far as an impact goes to potentially replacing or trying to replace Jack Campbell, Nick Jackson strikes me as a guy that could have an absolutely massive year. Not as big as Jack Campbell physically, but that's a dude who knows football and he knows how to get results. I'm He's going to be one of the guys I think I'm most closely watching on Saturday because if he has a big game, I really think his trajectory is just going to continue to kind of just skyrocket over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I really like watching him on film, you know, watching clips. I really like how instinctive he is. He, you know, can play the run. He can play the pass. And, you know, being able to play the pass and blitz is something that's really beneficial in college football for linebackers. And, you know, we saw Seth Benson, you know, at the linebacker spot last year. You know, he was one of Iowa's best pass rushers, if I recall correctly. And, you know, same thing with Campbell. So having a guy that can play the pass and has that experience to, you know, be able to play both, and be also being able to blitz and, you know, pick up, you know, certain blogging schemes and whatnot, that's going to be really valuable. And, you know, he's not necessarily – I mean, he is a headhunter. I mean, he led the ACC in tackles per game a year ago, but and that's going to be kind of his thing. But it's going to be interesting to see how him and Jay kind of pair together. And, you know, I know we'll talk about it more in our Iowa-Utah State preview, but – I'm really fascinated to see how, you know, Iowa goes about the defense on Saturday against Utah State because, you know, they have a quarterback that can, you know, Cooper Legas, he can, you know, use his legs a little bit. They have a wide receiver, slot receiver, and Terrell Vaughn, who, you know, is probably their biggest playmaker. And, you know, maybe there's a couple four two five looks. I mean, I know Phil Parker has mentioned before that they could see, you know, Kyler Fisher, he has cash tendencies, but they're going to have Sebastian Castro at the cash position. Um, you know, that can lead to Iowa potentially wanting more speed on the field, depending on how that game goes. So, yeah, I mean, Jackson, like you said, I mean, I think, you know, what he brings to the table is really, really good for this defense because they need a guy like him, a guy that, you know, can be kind of a, you know, multi-threat when it comes to, you know, playing the pass and, you know, playing the run. And I think he'll pair really well with Higgins and Fisher too. I don't know about you, Sean, but – you know, just for as long as I've been covering the team, this has probably been the most exciting offseason that I can remember covering. I mean, the COVID year was just so out of nowhere. Uh, so that one, and there were so many different things already going on where, like, I couldn't sit down and just kind of focus on this side of things. But I think there's a lot to be excited about. And I, I think Iowa City should be optimistic. And it was interesting listening to Nico Ragaini 
on the men of uh, Melrose podcast the other day, just say, you know what, we're expecting to win the Big Ten West. We don't. That's not our goal. We expect to win it. And I, I think the mentality of that is a very, very big deal. I'm interested to see what's going to happen on Saturday, regardless if Cade trots out there or not. Uh, but any final notes before we depart? We're going to do our season, uh, not season preview, but we're going to do our, uh, our Utah State preview in a couple of days just prior uh, to the game. But any final notes you got? You know, not really. Um, you know, it should be not a huge recruiting weekend for Iowa um, on the football end of it. I mean, they have a couple of big guys coming in 2025, two top in-state guys, Nick Brooks of uh, Cedar Rapids Kennedy on the offensive line and Clear Lake tight end Thomas Meyer. Those are two guys. And then they might have a couple other in-state guys like Al the quarterback, Alex Mansky, who they offered in the summer. Um and they'll bond around for our athlete Titus Cram on campus too. And I mean, if you've been five, if you follow along Hawkeye Insider in the spring, you know, kind of the situation that happened there with the running backs. And, you know, I think my plan is to go see Cram on Friday too. So I should get the whole scoop on that there. So, you know, not a huge recruiting weekend, but a couple of really interesting names. And, you know, Iowa would love to get Meyer and Brooks in the fold pretty early in that 2025 cycle. Yeah, they. Uh, I know Cooper DeGene and a couple of Iowa guys were out watching Brooks's game the other during his season opener, and Cooper just said he is huge. <laughs> he didn't really say too much, but just from a pure size standpoint, what is he up to now? About 6'8", 370, 375, Sean? Yeah, he says it's 6'8", 375. Yeah, I mean, I was there on Saturday. Um, Cooper, Nick Jackson, Joe Evans, and Max White. Obviously, Max's dad is the head coach at – Cedar Rapids Kennedy and his brothers on the team there. And then one of his older brothers is an assistant on the staff. So he brought a couple of his teammates out. And yeah, I mean, Nick looks like he's kind of college ready right now from a size aspect for sure. Definitely a recruitment to watch close. A lot of the top blue bloods will be in on that. And one final note too about Cade before I end this podcast and something that also makes me believe he's going to start. He was voted team captain. I, I don't know how many team captains or guys get voted team captains when they're not playing in a game. I know it's happened a couple of times, but I also think it goes to show that everything we've said and everything we've heard about Caden McNamara over the past few months, that's been true. He's been voted a team captain despite only being on campus since January. So I believe Luke Lachey, Joe Evans, and uh, I don't have the list in front of me. I know I'm, I know, I know I'm forgetting one. Uh, Luke Lachey, Jay Higgins. Joe, Jay Higgins. Yeah, I, I knew it was on the defensive side. So it, it'll be interesting to watch, but we'll have our full preview on Thursday. Follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, and, and at Hawkeyes on 247, and stay locked in to HawkeyeInsider.com. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.